everybody. Welcome to All There Is. I'm your host, Kelly Bargabas. We are in the middle of a series called How to Be President, hoping that our future candidates will listen to these episodes and consider them before signing up for the job. It could happen, people. You never know. We are fast approaching an election. November is next week. So it's really important to get this information out there. I know we're not electing a president right now, but all of our elections are important. We know that. So if you know somebody running for office, make sure you tell them about this series on my podcast so they can have all the information they need. And today's episode is called From Stonewall to See-Through. And it really is a masterclass on how to navigate All those topics we're taught to avoid in order to avoid conflict. And I don't know about you, but I don't think that strategy has really helped us as a culture, as a society, right? As people. I think we have to learn how to talk to each other, even when we disagree, even when the topic is really life or death, powerful, polarizing. We have to learn how to be able to communicate, to talk about our beliefs, our position, why we think the way we think. We have to be able to listen. And that's what From Stonewall to See Through is all about. Well, I originally recorded a version of this in 2020. The lesson is timeless. It's relevant and important, especially for our next president and all of our elected leaders. So thanks for tuning in. Thanks for giving me your time. I know that you will find useful information and skills in this episode. And also don't forget to check out my newly released leadership book on Amazon or Barnes and Noble. And of course, kellybargabus.com for all the details, past episodes, anything that you might be curious about. I believe how we care for each other in this world has an everlasting impact. And that's what this podcast is all about, finding ways that we can witness this human experience that we're all having together and caring for each other in the process. In episode four, I introduced a concept, an acronym, that I call C-S-E-E, and it is a sixth sense that we can develop to train ourselves to really see each other. I believe we can develop this sixth sense to help us see what isn't obvious at first glance. The context of that episode was around invisible disabilities, a topic that I'm really passionate about. It's a lesson that I learned in this lifetime from my brother, Bobby. And it's really near and dear and close to my heart. So that context, that episode was all around seeing people with invisible disabilities and the challenges that exist inherent in those because we aren't able to communicate all the information that we need visually. So it's a good episode that that really sets the stage for this concept called C. And it's out there for you to check out if you're interested. Today, I want to explore the same concept, that same sixth sense, see, in a different context, a broader sense. And it has to do with how we talk and understand each other, especially when it comes to those topics that hold a lot of power and passion for us. Topics like race, politics, religion, those three right there are the holy trinity of topics we're taught to avoid. From a very young age in our society, We're taught to not speak about those things, especially at the dinner table, at work, with family, and people we don't know well, right? We're raised to think it's rude to discuss these things. And we do that because these topics can be polarizing and extreme, and also because people feel very strongly and passionately about these topics. I would propose that we avoid these topics because we want to avoid conflict, and also... 
if we're being really honest with ourselves, most of the time we're not interested in really understanding opinions and viewpoints and perspectives that are different from ours. And all of this avoiding has left us with a significant gap in the skills we need to really share this human experience and to see each other. We avoid it because we don't know how to do it in a way that is respectful, loving, kind, and productive. But today we're going to jump right in and I want to explain a little bit about what I mean by all of this with some real life examples from my own life. Often when one of these topics that are filled with power and passion come up, we react by stonewalling. Stonewalling is shutting down, refusing to speak, silence, refusing to listen, talking too much, talking over people, refusing to engage, to participate. It is an act of defense to keep unwanted ideas, opinions, and experiences out. We sense danger. We feel threatened. And so we put up a wall. And here's a little fun fact for you. The term Stonewall was originally coined as a nickname for a General Thomas Jackson in the Civil War who was described as, quote unquote, standing like a stone wall as the enemy approached. And it was originally a noun that meant an act of obstruction. Stonewalling makes things cloudy, opaque. You can't see clearly. You can't see through. Now, see through is the opposite of stonewalling. It means clear, unobstructed, transparent. One definition of transparent is readily understood. I believe that this is all relevant to the concept of the sixth sense called see because I believe we can use it to get us from stonewalling to see-through. Now, putting up walls is a common defense mechanism that us imperfect humans use to protect ourselves. I have a running joke with my husband, and I'm sure anybody who's in a relationship with anyone can understand, right? Sometimes we annoy each other. Sometimes we fight. We argue. We're both pretty strong personalities. We're both type A. We both think we're pretty smart. We're both strong and stubborn. And so sometimes we can really push each other's buttons even without meaning to. And I have a running joke with him that sometimes I'll see him in conversation with me and I push a button or a certain topic comes up, one of those powerful and passionate topics come up, or just something he doesn't really want to talk about with me. It's a place that is off limits. And I can see him shutting me down. I can see him shutting out. And for him, he, he'll freeze me out. He won't talk to me. He won't look at me. He'll avoid being in the same room with me. I make fun of him sometimes and tell him that he's freezing me out and I start singing Bruce Springsteen's song, 10th Avenue, freeze out. And what he's really doing is stonewalling me to protect himself from what he perceives as a threat. And I've witnessed so much of this as we navigate our culture today and all that is happening around us. We've had a tough year and boy, do we have a lot of powerful and passionate topics that are surrounding us every day. And I see a lot of stonewalling. I see split-second reactions with harsh words, anger, misinformation, misunderstandings, miscommunications. All of this is stonewalling. And the only way to get beyond these difficult conversations is to not obstruct them, not to build walls, but to get through it, to see through it, and to do it together. We have to see through to the other side. 
So let's get really practical and talk about how do we do that? How do we get beyond ourselves? How do we see more than what's on the surface? How do we see through the hurt, the anger, the disagreement, the misunderstanding of others and ourselves? How do we see through perhaps our own past, our own mistakes, our own misjudgments, misunderstandings, and way of thinking? How do we stop being defensive and start being see-through? I'm not an expert by any means on interpersonal communication or anything else, really. But if this podcast is all about witnessing the human experience and sharing it in order to connect, shift paradigms, change the world, then we have to be able to talk about anything, the easy and the hard, the polarizing and the mundane. We need to learn how we do that in a productive and real way to move us all forward. So I'm going to walk you through some real life relevant examples of what I'm experienced. I am a woman. I'm of a certain age, I'm white, I grew up in a certain area of the country, but above all, I'm human, and I want to share this experience with all of you. I don't pretend to speak for anyone but myself. All of my comments and thoughts are coming from my experience, and I've never been one to shy away from difficult conversations. They are hard, but necessary, and I believe that the best thing you can do with people and for people is to deliver the truth in love. And that's what I'm attempting to do here. If this podcast is going to really be useful, let's go right to the hard stuff. And let me show you what I'm talking about. I'm a Christian. I believe in God. I can't remember a time I didn't believe in him. It just feels like I was born with that innate knowledge of who he is and that he's there and he's real. I don't belong to an organized religion right now, but I know a fair amount about them and have been exposed to many different variations of Christianity and Judaism. I know the Bible a fair amount, uh, probably more than the average person, but certainly not at any professional level. Throughout my life, I've had many ups and downs, but at this point, I'm solid in my faith. It is unshakable. Hasn't always been that way, for sure and that's probably another podcast, but but I'm solid in it now. I know what I believe, and I know why. But like I said, it hasn't always been that way, and it was a, it was a difficult conversation with a friend that really helped me see through my, myself. I had a friend one time who was dating a woman, and he really liked her. She really liked him. I believe they were compatible in many ways. They had a lot of fun together, but there was one problem. She was a Christian, and she eventually broke it off with him because he didn't believe in God or practice any sort of spiritual faith, and he was very upset. Now, this was a close friend of mine. He was very upset. He was angry. He was hurt, and because he knew I was a Christian, you know, he came to me, and we talked about it, and he was—we had some really heated, intense conversations about it, mostly because he didn't understand why it was so important to her. He felt it was judgmental and the opposite of how she should be behaving as a Christian to judge him like that. And when he and I first discussed, I was upset for him. But at the same time, I understood where she was coming from. But I did not have the insight to clearly articulate or explain to my friend why. And so we had a lot of conversations that were full of power and passion and some stonewalling and We just went in circles and really didn't get anywhere. And that bothered me that I couldn't articulate what I was feeling, what I believed, what I understood. So I just paused for a moment. I took some time to process it and mull it over and ask questions of myself. And I did some praying and I I really 
tried to process this. And eventually, I did have some epiphanies about my own beliefs. I realized that my faith and my relationship with God is part of who I am. It is part of my DNA. I can't imagine me without it. And if you reject that God exists, you are rejecting part of me. So it it would be like dating someone who says, I don't believe that Dutch people are really a thing. Well, I'm Dutch. So if you don't believe in Dutch people, you don't believe in me. And, you know, that's a really oversimplified example. But going through this conversation with my friend and the process of taking some time to really ask questions and understand myself first and what other people are going through helped me to understand and be able to articulate my own life and beliefs and faith in a non-defensive way. You know, I think sometimes we stonewall because we don't have the skills to really express why we believe a certain way. And that's how I was. I was in this conversation with him. I knew how I felt, but I didn't know why. And I couldn't articulate it or explain it. And I think sometimes when we find ourselves in those situations about these hard topics, we can't clearly articulate because we haven't spent the time to just ask ourselves the questions. And so we stonewall. It's an act of defense because you don't want to look foolish and admit that you know what you believe, but you don't really know why and you can't articulate it and what that means to you. That makes us feel vulnerable. It makes us feel exposed. And so we stonewall instead. So going through this process really helped me and it will help me forever. You know, I love this friend. I know he's a good person. So I understood his hurt. I saw that too. I listened to him and I realized that it's okay for him and I to not believe the same way. And, you know, we're still family. We're still great friends. The bottom line that I understood from this whole process that I took myself through was this. I believe in God, but I am not God. I don't know everything. And it's not up to me to decide what is right for other people. The idea of sin and morality and all these things that are so volatile in our society are really between people and their God. The only relationship I need to worry about and be passionate about is the one I have with God. If how I live can help inspire someone, great. I'm proud of what I believe. I'm solid, like I said, but I don't need to use those beliefs as a wall of defense around my life. I don't need to use my beliefs to stonewall everyone else who is outside of that belief. Our government's job is to provide liberty and justice for all. And most people would agree with that. That's That idea right there isn't so polarizing. I think as Americans, liberty and justice for all is a buzz phrase that we're really comfortable with. But some people hear Black Lives Matter and react as if it is a threat on their very existence. They hear that phrase as if someone is attacking them and they put up a wall, a wall of silence, anger, harsh words. It seems like they are incorrectly assuming or jumping to the conclusion that if only Black Lives Matter, then my life doesn't matter and that's a threat that I need to react to. They go into defense mode. They hear the term white privilege and think, privilege? I grew up without a dad and my mom worked three jobs to put food on the table. We didn't have anything. I've had a job since I was 13. I worked my way through college. And and so they hear this, this phrase and react defensively like you're criticizing them. They hear the term white supremacy and think, holy cow, you're calling me a Nazi or a skinhead or a racist. So we react again, put up our wall that can be harsh words and we shoot off at the mouth and we shut down and we and we stop listening to anything else in the conversation. 
Stonewalling can take many forms. We refuse to engage any further. We refuse to acknowledge that white supremacy is even a thing. Sometimes you can say the word white and people feel like it's an attack. You know, white fragility, white supremacy, white privilege. If all those things are bad, then you're saying I'm bad because I'm white. And and then there's white guilt. And we talk about polarizing passion and power. The word white now has, has so much in it. And I'm not making excuses for any of this. I'm just witnessing it, seeing it. I've experienced it. And I'm trying to be really honest with you. You know, with Black Lives Matter, I didn't struggle with. I, I get it. I posted something on Facebook in the wake of George Floyd's murder, and it was called Here's the Thing. We, and by we, I mean our nation, don't have a good track record with the use of the word all. We said all men are created equal, but what we really meant was that all men that look like us were created equal. And just a side note, we weren't using men in the whole mankind sense of the word. We meant men, period. Also, we have pledged liberty and justice for all. Again, historically, we didn't really mean all. We meant those that look like us. Of course, all lives matter. But in this moment in history, let's change the narrative once and for all and make sure that all people know that we believe black lives matter. This, like I said, was easy for me. It is solid in me. It is not something I need to argue about, talk about, think about, mull over. I know how I feel. I can articulate it. And it's It's just solid within me. On the same hand, I know people that still have a hard time with the concept. I know people in law enforcement that think Black Lives Matter is a threat to Blue Lives Matter. And so they put up a wall. I've talked to people of other races who don't accept the term because they feel that it excludes them. And so they put up a wall. And the reality is with all those powerful and polarizing phrases I just talked about, the reality is we're being asked or challenged to think about a lot of terms and phrases in a new way. And if we are stonewalling, we can't do that because we've already shut down. Now, I know securely where I stand on the issues we face as a nation, a culture, a community. I know what I believe and what I stand for. I have zero tolerance for racism, for hatred, for violence, for injustice for taking advantage of the marginalized in our society. And if you've listened to any of my other episodes, you know this about me. But still, to be honest, it took me a minute to process and understand white privilege. The first few times I really heard that in mainstream conversation, pointed at regular old white folk like me, my wall went up. On the inside, at least, it it bothered me, and it bothered me that it bothered me. I had to shift my thinking. To me, privilege has always meant money, access, silver spoon, wealth, opportunity, private schools, uh, Ivy League colleges, having your college paid for, fully funded. I've never, ever thought of myself having any sort of privilege ever. I don't identify with it. I had a great childhood. I have a wonderful family, the best parents in the world. But we were blue collar, hard workers. I come from a long line of farmers and people who've worked with their hands And my generation, my brothers and sisters and I, we're the first on both sides of my family and my mother and my father's side to go to college. Neither of my parents have a college education. And I've been buying my own stuff since I started earning money at 14. I was a waitress at 14 and, and continued to waitress through college, put myself through college, came out with student loans, blah, blah, blah. Even still, I had to really change the way I processed this and thought about privilege. And to do that, I had to take the time to pause 
and ask questions and try to understand what this term white privilege really meant and where it was coming from in the current context. I did some listening, some reading, asked questions, molded over internally. Honestly, the best analogy I found was the one about a right-handed versus a left-handed world. I saw that one day as I was working around the internet, and it really spoke to me, you know, just how this whole society is built for right-handed people. And us right-handed people don't even think about it. It never even crosses our mind throughout the day. We just have a certain expectation that school desks and cars and scissors and tools and golf clubs are all just going to be for right-handed people. We're the majority, right? I don't give a second thought to what it must be like to move through this world left-handed. Now, let me just pause and say here, I am not comparing being left-handed in a right-handed world to the issues we face around racial injustice, not at all. I'm just saying that this analogy helped me to understand the context and the meaning of white privilege in our world today. It helped me see through the wall, the stone wall I had in front of me. If you think it will help you, great, look it up. I thought it was just a really easy way to understand it. There's other, there's more out there that does a great job of explaining it as well. But again, it helped me see through the wall I had in front of me. I'm still working through white supremacy, and it's because I've never personally associated myself with that word. White supremacists are those people, Nazis, skinheads, racists, haters. That's not me. That's not how I was raised. But again, I've taken the time to really explore, ask questions. I've been offended. I've put up a wall. I'm still not owning that title. I'm not a white supremacist. I'm not going to own that title. But I am starting to see through. I am starting to see where the conversation is coming from and how our society was built on that premise. It's not a personal attack against me. I'm leaning into the topic and resisting my urge and instinct to put up a wall to protect me. I'm seeking ways to understand what it means in the context of our American culture and our history. I get it intellectually. I know our history. I know the facts. I believe them all. But I'm still trying to understand and figure out my part in it. The thing to know about walls is that, sure, they can protect you. All of these tactics can be a boundary to protect you from things that you really don't want to experience, from hurtful things, from scary things, from things that you're intimidated by. But the other thing with walls is that they also close you off. They close you in. They keep others out. That's a pretty lonely place to be. And that is not sharing. It's not sharing the human experience. And I know I'm right up there with you. It is not always fun to have these conversations. I wish it could all be sunshine and rainbows and peace and love and we could just talk about fun things, but it's not. People are dying. People are hurting. People are not all experiencing the same level of justice and freedom. And we need to understand that in order to move beyond it. And we can't understand each other if we can't talk about it. We can't move beyond the stone wall until we can see through. Now, maybe you disagree with everything I've said so far and all of my examples annoy you. That's okay. I'm okay with that. The point of this conversation is not to get you to think like me or to believe like me. It is to get you to knock the wall down and learn how to see. I still think regardless of where you're at in your journey or where you're coming from, I think that what I'm going to go through next, what I'm going to say next can help all of us. So here's my question for you. What if 
the next time we feel ourselves reacting, what if we could, instead of building our wall of defense, our wall in response, instead of reacting with that defensive instinct, instead of stonewalling each other, what if we could stop just for a minute, breathe, wait, think, listen, test it out, talk to somebody who's not in the conversation, write in your journal, listen some more, do some research, think some more, take as long as you need, but just wait and get more information before you go any further, before you get that wall erected. Next, evaluate. This is where you ask questions of yourself and the conversation at large. Be curious. Is what they're really saying a threat to me personally? Do I really need that wall up? Or is it not about me at all, but about the greater good, the greater world? Can I let them have their faith without it compromising mine? Am I being consistent with my own beliefs? Do I know how to articulate it? Am I trying to stonewall because I'm scared or because I don't know how to articulate my beliefs? Does this person have a valid point? Can I agree with them in their position and still maintain my dignity and respect and safety? And why is this so upsetting for me? How am I so sure that I'm right? Is it possible that I could be wrong? That's a tough one, a hard lesson for me, but I've made peace with the fact a long time ago that I don't know everything and I can be wrong. And that's okay. Finally, empathize. Regardless of any of the answers to your previous questions, empathy is the ability to understand and share the feelings of another. Sometimes you may not intellectually get where they're coming from, or you just haven't lived their life, so how could you? And I think at times, empathy can be just recognizing that, okay, I don't really understand what you're saying or why you believe that, but I see that you are passionate about it and that it's important to your life. And so just because of that, I will take what you said and internalize it and do what I can to feel it with you. You can find a way to make it relevant to your life and imagine what they're feeling. For me, when I hear tragic stories like that of George Floyd or Breonna Taylor or Trayvon Martin, I have no real idea of what it must be like for them or their families, and I can't pretend to. But I do come to all my experiences as a woman, as a wife, as a mother, as a sister, as an aunt, and a friend. And so, you know, when George Floyd happened, I thought of my brother. I mean, it just instantly made me me think of my brother and how awful that must be to know and to, and to realize that that happened to someone that you love so deeply, to know that they went through that. When Trayvon Martin was killed, I had a nephew at that time who was around the same age. And so I could relate to having someone that I love of that age just out walking at night with their hoodie up and eating Skittles and to have someone react to them that way. And like I said, I I don't know exactly what those people went through or what they felt like. Of course, I have no way to do that. But I found a way to empathize and to relate to it and to feel that feeling. And empathy is a skill you can practice and you will get better at it over time. It really just takes intention. Find a way to share that feeling in any way you can. You have to find a way into the feeling. And I'm sharing all of this with you Stop, evaluate, empathize, because it's all part of this sixth sense of C. And I believe that we can develop this sixth sense to help us navigate difficult conversations and topics in a way 
that is productive, meaningful, and ultimately will move us through the pain of where we're at right now. So I encourage you, the next time you feel yourself reacting as if you're being threatened by words or conversation or unfamiliar or uncomfortable ideas, if you feel yourself starting to build that stone wall of defense by making a snap judgment, responding with harsh words, frustration, anger rising to the surface, or you are tempted to avoid, shut down, go silent, disengage, try this instead. Try to see. Stop. Pause. Take a breath, a beat, a moment before you do or say something impatient or hurtful. Take a moment to consider before you build that stone wall. Evaluate. Ask questions. Be curious. Could there be more than what I see on the surface? Could I be wrong? Finally, empathize. Figure out an angle to put yourself in their shoes. Commit to understand and share the feelings rather than dismissing them. If we can take these steps, if we can develop these skills to see through the stone wall, it will change the way we see people and that will change us, change them, and change the world. So this week, look for opportunities to stop, evaluate, and empathize. Practice makes perfect, right? It's a skill. And we're going to need this skill for the rest of our lives. There is no shortage of opportunities right now to practice seeing people we don't understand. That's it for this episode. Thanks for listening to All There Is. Thanks for not stonewalling me and instead for being open to see through and to find ways to make our human experience the best that it can be. You can always find more information and contact me by going to my website, kellybargabas.com slash podcasts. And if you got something useful by listening today, please share it with your friends. I'd appreciate it. And here's your call to action. Stop, evaluate, empathize. Let's move ourselves from stonewall to see-through. Take care.